You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 282 of Podcateers. In this episode, we talk about some of the new things that we found are happening at the Festival of Holidays. It seems to be new or at least new to us, but we thought it was a pretty great change. Disney Plus launched this week and we talk a little bit about what the success or failure of Disney Plus could mean for Bob Iger and his legacy. Plus, Mel gives us some info on the Country Bear Jamboree. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that we talk about in this episode, and you can do that by joining the conversation simply by leaving a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com 282, or you can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. Just search for Podcateers. We have a handful of comments that we'll be reading about Disney Plus from our IG stories in the next episode, so keep an eye out for when we post those if you want to hear your comment in the next episode. And you know, as much as I want to get this episode started, we just can't do it yet. Why? Well, because we haven't thanked the FGP squad yet. In case you don't know, the FGP squad are our podcast fairy godparents, and it's their generosity through their monthly contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you like the podcast, it's a great time to become part of the FGP squad. And more info on how you can do just that can be found at podcateers.com FGP. To all of the members of the FGP squad, thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for your continued support. Okay, now we can get this thing started. So here we go. Here is episode 282 of Podcateers. Here we go. Just stretch out my cheeks and the vocal cord. <laughs> Those are vocal techniques done by the pros mm. in order to get you into podcasting optimal performance. So I'm sure it'll sound lovely for those who are wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it will. It sounds more like a early Halloween episode than <laughs> we're coming up on Christmas episode. <laughs> you know, thank you for being here so early in the morning with me. I'm super duper tired. It's teamwork. <laughs> I know. Well, look, it's been a crazy week because uh, you guys know I I help put on those all staff things at work and mm-hmm. we have several really big events that I help out with. And this last Thursday was one of our two major ones during the year. So uh, this one was offsite, so it was a little more challenging, but we pulled it off. We you know we we got it done, and I don't think I sat down once that day. And as of Friday, I was feeling, you know, a little tired, really felt it Saturday. And then Saturday, I started working on this site that I've been, that, that I got hired to do. And there was this weird issue with it where we, like, I couldn't figure it out. The hosting company couldn't figure it out. I was literally on the phone with them at three o'clock in the morning trying to figure this out because we, we couldn't do it. And then finally, I started backtracking all the stuff that I had been changing 
And I didn't want to go back to a previous version because there was a lot of work that I had put into it already. Mm-hmm. And I finally figured out what it was, like close to 5 a.m. Oh, my gosh. You're insane. And I was just, well, here, I was right? super happy, though, because I didn't want to have to start from scratch again. And right. I was happy that I kept notes on what all the changes were and at what steps I made the changes in case something like this happened. So I was, it was easy for me to go back and kind of piece it together so that mm-hmm. it all functioned. Uh, so I'm happy that got done. Not happy that I only slept a few hours. I bet. I mean, today, today's a coffee creamer day. What? <laughs> for, yeah. So here's the deal. My coworkers have caught on to this, okay? I drink my coffee black. Okay, I just, I just like the flavor. I just like how coffee is. But if I know I'm going to be drinking an exuberant amount of coffee that day, I add coffee creamer. <laughs> and so usually when people see my coffee mug and they say, oh, it's a coffee creamer day, they know that I'm either <laughs> super tired or that I'm going to be drinking coffee for the next 12 to 14 hours. Got it. Oh, it's ulcer protection. Yeah, it is. Right? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> oh, can I tell you something? Okay. So, remember how last week we were talking about, you were talking about the bear, the sleeping bear? Yeah. I found out the name. Oh, what's the bear's name? Rufus. Ah, nice. Excellent. And I'm like, oh, I found it. I could tell. <laughs> nice. nice. I don't, you know, I don't even know if I mentioned it or if I just started snoring at the end, pretending to be him. Because I remember, I, I remember hearing the snoring as you were approaching the hungry bear. Yeah. Well, if I didn't mention it, let's pretend that I did. There you go. And if <laughs> and, and and if I did, yeah, you're totally right, Mel. It's that same bear. <laughs> um. Oh, what a week! We got Disney Plus coming up this week. Oh my gosh! I know. I'm so excited. I'm super excited as well. I'm a little worried that apps haven't dropped for anything yet. So there's yeah. no there's oh. no like pre-links like they normally have. Uh, generally, they tend to drop a uh, subscribe here to get an alert when the app is available. But there's nothing in in the Play Store. There's nothing in the App Store for iOS. There's nothing in the Roku depository yet. Everything seems to be missing Disney Plus right now. You're right. I was reading a a really interesting article that I think I want to touch on a little bit after Disney Plus launches this upcoming week, uh, where they were talking about Bob Iger's legacy, right? And they were talking about how he's made a lot of gambles throughout his career, but Disney Plus is possibly the largest gamble that he's made. And Mm. if Disney Plus fails, it could be the only thing he's really remembered for. That he had this legacy of amazing uh, acquisitions and then Disney Plus failed. And I I disagreed with that because hmm. there's no way that you can discount everything that Bob Iger has done for the company. I mean, yes, some CEOs in the past tend to be remembered for their follies. However... I mean, when you outweigh the good and the bad in this scenario, there's no way that Disney Plus can outweigh that. Yeah, I I kind of see what they're getting at. Um, and it is it is true. You know, I, I think the glaring example, obviously, is Michael Eisner. And most people 
think of him more negatively than positively. But if you think about the successes that happened under Michael Eisner, they vastly outweigh any, you know, failures. And I think it would be even more outweighed in Bob Iger's case. Like his success record is ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's like it's crazy. Like probably the most successful leader of the company in its history. And I'm including Walt because he took insane risks and he had some pretty big failures, you know, along the way financially. So I, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I would tend to disagree with that, too. But we do live in a fairly cynical world and people will latch on to that negativity because that's what they I like was just going to say that but that's that's bad we we should look at the bright side and I think even if Disney Plus fails which I don't know how it can fail at this point with what they've amassed but even if it does like that yeah that, to me that's not going to taint anything you got to take some risks yeah right this is how you're going to get your clicks from the clickbait and this and that and I see a lot of people doing that and it's sad. I mean, cause yeah, this guy has done so much for the company. Um, it's unfortunate that people want to focus on the negative. And I mean, if, if something happens, something happens, who's no one's perfect. <laughs> no one's perfect. So let's just be thankful for what we've gotten, what we've had, what we, if we've experienced and, you know, just carry on our day, just go have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the man that works on the mantra of innovate or die, right? So he's always, you know, going for that risk that could possibly net the most fruit from the tree. And like you said, Gavin, I don't think anybody has had any more successes, and not even just in the Disney company. I mean, just as a CEO in Hollywood in general, mm-hmm. as, as Bob Iger has. So... Yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting how they aggregate and what they quantify exactly to to call Disney Plus a success or a failure. Wall Street will always look at the numbers, right? But with all of the people that they've signed up since D23 and then the deals <clears throat> leaking to the general public and people getting locked into two or three three-year contracts – it might be hard for them to see what what comes from this, at least in the first several years, because then you'll start to see the drop-off rates or the sign-up rates, depending on what's happening. So right. as it launches, especially considering that there's no apps that you can download, some people I think are going to be upset. The fact that not everything that we thought was going to be on there is going to be at launch because of contract deals that they have with other studios. For instance, all the stuff that they have with Netflix and Stars. Uh, I think recently they they reached a deal with Stars where they'll be able to show some of the Star Wars movies if they show a Stars ad for the Stars over the top service. And it's like a one-time deal that they're showing to people as they're signing up for Disney+. Plus. Uh, the other contracts, like for Netflix, I think they expire next year. So some of those things are going to be coming next year. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it's going to be a service that I think a lot of children, uh, it, it's going to be more catered to children. And now that they've announced what they've done for Hulu, where they're going to start uh, adding a lot of the Fox uh, or the FX properties, like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Wilfred, uh, all the shows that necessarily wouldn't fit on Disney Plus is 
they're all going to be available on Hulu now, essentially. Mm. So now that we have more of a clear-cut understanding of how they're going to treat the two services and how they bundle them up in the future, I think the bundle is going to say a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where we are a week from now, a month from now, and then next year. You know, I think we had the conversation just a, a few weeks ago about the Disney Renaissance and how people are going to see it in this era and how it affects this era and how it's going to quantify, you know, having stuff from the Disney vault, having things from yeah. the Renaissance and everything as part of the service. So I'm looking forward to it. What What's the first thing that you guys are going to gravitate to watch once Disney Plus launches? <laughs> You want to go, Mel? Tell you about Disney Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not even Renaissance. My bad. Wow. Shame on me. Uh, Sleeping Beauty. That's the because first thing you're going to watch? Because I don't have the DVD. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Gap, nice. do you know what yeah. you're going to watch? Uh, I'm actually really excited about uh, some of the original content that they're bringing us. Uh, the two shows that I definitely plan to watch are, of course, The Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars show. And I'm very, very interested to see what they do with that. And I'm definitely going to tune in for High School, the musical series. That looks like it's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. Um, who knows? It may not be good at all, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, other than that, yeah, just kind of going through the old catalog and seeing some stuff that I don't own. On the animation side, I pretty much own everything. Um, there's a couple that I don't, but uh, really a lot of those live action ones from the, the 50s and 60s, which I grew up with, but I don't own currently. Like, I definitely want to see if they've got on there and, and uh, watch a lot of that old stuff. Right nice. on. Yeah, there was a quiz on, on Facebook that somebody posted recently about, you know, how, how many of these 60 plus movies have you seen? And out of the 63, I think I had seen 60, 61 and a half, kind of. And nice. one, yeah, one of the films on there that I know I've never seen and I've always wanted to see, but I've caught snippets of, is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I, I've okay. never seen that film. And I'm looking forward to finally seeing that. However, that's not going to be the first thing that I watch. When I first open Disney Plus, the very first thing I want to watch is the Imagineering story. Oh yeah, that nice. is, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the first thing I want to watch, and yep. I'm sure that uh, the publicity that it's gotten, and because of the interest in what happens backstage and the culture of what Disney has become, knowing you know how much they've been showing us of. Uh, the concept art, the production, and mm -hmm. just what goes into creating a Disney park in general now. You know, yeah. we've been interested in this in a, in a really long time. And progressively, we've gotten a peek behind the curtain a little more. You know, we, we've seen that in all the books that former Imagineers put out when they tell the stories of what it was like working there. We've gotten vignettes. We get the Disney Park blog showing us how they set up the Haunted Mansion, you know, for the overlay type stuff. And this is just the next step, you know, and these mm -hmm. are great for many reasons. I think primarily because there's fans like us that really enjoy that aspect of the story, but also... Because when when children see something like this, I think it just fosters their imagination and it shows them that 
because they play with Legos or because they love to draw or because they love to play with these things where they're engineering these cool little towns, they could build that into a career one day. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think having the ability to show kids that, you know, that that's a possibility for them, I think is huge. I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That one will probably be the first thing I watch too. Nice. For sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Talking about promotion. Um, watch party. Did you guys? <laughs> did you guys see the uh, the pictures of the the two stars for Lady and the Tramp at Disneyland? No. Yes, I saw. Oh those. my god! So adorable in front of the castle and with Pluto. Aww. Like these I were the like, actual dogs? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. And they're just sitting there just calm and I'm like, "Can I can I adopt them?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you weren't the only one thinking that. <laughs> All I remember from one of the the trailers is like, "I got my collar. I got my collar." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll probably be the second thing. It's just so adorable. Mm-hmm. I don't even care of the changes that they make. I will watch them too all day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think there's that, uh, the one they were uh, promoting at the expo to the, the like one yeah. day at Disney or whatever it was, where they're going to show you like oh, 24 yeah, hours yeah. in Disney across the world. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. There's a lot of really great content that's coming up. And mm-hmm. I, I think just kind of wrapping up the conversation that we started with, we're going to see it as a, as a success no matter what. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we know if you're realistic about it and you understand that not everything is going to be there at launch, that things are going to be trickling in because of existing contracts, then I I think you go in with a with a view that, okay, this might not be here, but I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I'm I'm going to be seeing this content eventually. You can almost treat it as a Disney vault thing. You know, if yeah. you wanted to watch something or if you wanted to buy something and you couldn't because it was in the Disney vault, this is kind of the same thing until those contracts lapse and then Disney can reacquire the rights to be able to stream them. You know, a lot of these contracts were made when streaming just wasn't as prominent as it is now. And now as the world is changing and distribution for these films, these TV shows is kind of morphing into this new media beast that we just consume a la carte for everything. Uh, Everything has to be renegotiated, you know, contracts for not just the shows, but for how the actors get paid, how musicians get paid, how every, everything changes, you know, with Mm -hmm. how streaming functions. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it again as Disney fans. I think we're going to see it as a, as a success, but it will be interesting to see. So uh, we'd like to know what the first thing you are going to watch is. If you've purchased Disney Plus or plan on getting it, join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on YouTube. Just search for Podcateers. Leave us a comment. Let us know what the first thing you're going to watch is and what the first thing you're going to binge is because there's going to be a lot of bingeable shows. So let us know what that is, and then we'll share those answers in our upcoming Disney Plus episode. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, I've been seeing pictures of all the new popcorn buckets and stuff at Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're killing it right now. Oh, they are <laughs> so good yeah the big mickey ornament is possibly my favorite one 
Nice. I love it. I just kind of want to get like 10 of them and hang them around my living room. Right. You yeah, know I that like they that light one. up, right? What? Uh, no, I don't think they light up. <laughs> Surprise. I don't think that one lights up, does it? The, the, the Mickey, Mickey the Jingle zipper? Bell one? The, no, the big uh, ornament. The popcorn bucket. Oh, I take yeah, it it's back. like it's three zipper. jingle bells like smashed together yeah. in a Mickey shape. Yeah, it's more of like a chrome metallic finish. Yes, on it. yes, yeah. So it looks like Wait. a bell. I don't think it lights up. Okay, I don't know if it comes in any other colors, but I saw the red one. Yeah, I just saw red, okay. and then they've got the big like retro ceramic Christmas tree that like everybody's yes. grandma had when they were a kid with the oh, lights I in it. Seen those? They made that into a bucket, which I think is genius. Then they gave us the the little green alien in yeah. his little flannel pajamas. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. him. Aww. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a, a huge popcorn bucket guy, but I was there uh, yesterday to experience uh, the first weekend of the holiday season, and yeah, the popcorn buckets definitely caught my eye. They they're killing it with those this year. Nice. So yeah. Lynette and the boys went to the park this weekend also because uh, Festival of Holidays kicked off on Friday. Oh, yeah. uh, she told me about her experience. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go. But what did what did you what did you try first of all, if anything? And mm-hmm. what's different? What have you liked so far uh, regarding the kickoff this year? Uh, well. Unfortunately, I went on Saturday and it was probably the busiest day I've been there in 2019. So it was super packed, um, partly because it's a holiday weekend, partly because it's the first weekend of the holiday season at the park. But that aside, uh, I was excited to get my first tastes of the holiday food festival in. I got my annual pass holder lanyard and I got my passport and I'm ready to go for the season. Nice. (laughs) Uh, So yesterday I went with um, our friend Josh from the Animation Station podcast. Yo, Josh. We both split a couple of things. Nice. Um, Let's see. We got the ham shanks, which are similar to what they had uh, last year. Okay. And then we paired that with the stuffing mac and cheese, which was also similar to what they had last year, but different. They've changed up the recipe for the stuffing crumble, Mm -hmm. and it's got a pretty strong, sweet overtone to it. Oh, interesting. So, like, juxtaposed with the savory of the white cheddar cheese in it, it is amazing. It's so good. Like, I feel like they kicked it up a notch this year. What do you think the sweet aspect is? Like a brown sugar or what do you think they added this time? Well, the on the ham shanks, it's like a honey glaze. And that's okay. what's bringing the sweetness. And they do the same crumble on top of those. So I don't know if it's honey or, or what. Um, it's sweeter than brown sugar, for sure. Like, it's it's markedly sweet. Okay. Uh, but it ah. it just works, man. You get that, like, savory sweet thing going, and oof, it's very good. Nice. Uh, the other thing that I tried that I really liked was I got the uh, rum horchata, <gasps> which was what? so freaking good, dude. Oh, my gosh. Was it cold or hot? It was cold. It has uh, to with be cold. ice or no ice? With ice. Can you ask for it with no ice? I'm sure you probably could, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How much was it? it? Oh, it was a ticket, right? 
Well, no, because you can't use the tickets for the alcoholic ones. Gotcha. Um, so that Credit. one was, it was kind of pricey. I think that one was 13 Oh. But it was good. Ooh. Like Dude. she poured two big heavy-handed shots in it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it was, and it's like a full-size glass like they serve at like the beer carts. It's not like a little oh, okay. mini thing. It's a, it's a full cocktail. So Well, I'm just going to get good. you a bottle of rum chata from Costco <laughs> and you'll okay. be set. Yeah, okay. okay. It was good. I mean, they sprinkle the real cinnamon on top. They put some whipped cream and like real cinnamon and and like this little crumble of something on top. It man, it was it was good. Damn it. Now I'm going to have to spend the 13 bucks to try it before I go buy my rum chata. You can split it. They have a non-alcoholic okay, one. Let's do that. They do have a non-alcoholic one that you why can would you use get a that ticket one? for. Why would you I get that know. one? Cuz you can use a ticket for it. Yeah, but know. why would I do that? I'd rather save the know. ticket. <laughs> that's true <laughs> come on man i'm a that's grown true. adult going to california adventure i need some alcohol <laughs> uh fair you get no argument from me um hey i don't know if they did this last year this was something new for me and lynette was telling me they had headed over to paradise garden grill to get some food that evening and yep. there was three items on the menu that said sip and savor eligible yeah is that new for this year Yes. Yeah, so what be. they've done is they actually have fewer of the food huts out. Oh. So I think I think there's I think there's three fewer huts. And what they've done is that they've brought some of those items to three different restaurant locations. Oh. So you can go to the Paradise Garden Grill and they've got three or four options, like Lynette said. You can go to the Smoke Jumper Grill, um, and that's where they have one of the offerings. And nice. then there's one other place I can't remember off the top of my head where it is. But, yeah, I, I think maybe they did that to kind of help with traffic flow. Um, Could be. You know? Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of because, you know, sometimes they did seem like they were a little close together. And it was just lines meeting up with other lines from other huts. And it got a little out of control at times. So yeah, that may be why they're doing that. Is it still? Do you know if it's still a single ticket or a uh, single tab? Yeah, for same, those? same exact thing. Yeah. Oh, then there you go. If and anything, they've got that's great awesome. options there too. If anything, the sip and saver pass will be a super great way to get an amazing discount during the holiday oh, yeah. seasons on food. Yeah. Because Absolutely. at Paradise Garden Grill, the street style tacos are twelve ninety nine. You get three tacos, you get beans, you get rice. That's eligible for a sip and saver pass. The torta yeah. al pastor is eleven ninety nine, and uh, that comes with like chips and salsa. Also eligible for a sip and saver pass. And the pozole is back, and they have that's about twelve dollars as well. That is eligible for a sip and saver pass. So I'm not sure what the food options exactly are at the other locations, but when you're talking about the value and what you're getting versus the tiny taste. If you're about the tiny taste and trying something new, that's great, that's fantastic. But if you really wanna maximize at least one of those tabs and really get your money out of it, go to one of the restaurants that's offering the sip and savor option and get yourself a meal or two while you're there that day. Heck yeah. I'm looking at my wow. passport now and it's actually five different restaurants that have sip and savor options. Cool, which ones oh. are they? So you got the Sonoma Terrace, the Cocina Cucamonga, the Cappuccino Cart. Or Guido's, uh, what did you call it? Guido's what? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, 
What did I call that thing? <laughs> Dang it. It was a genius idea, too. I know. It's not the cappuccino card. It's Guido's Cafe yeah, de la like, Caro or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pacific Wharf Cafe and Smoke Jumpers Grill. So those five places all have sip and saver options. Right on. Well, I, yeah. I love this option this year. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. And the Pacific Garden Grill. Duh. So there's six. Yeah, nice. Yeah. This is one of the best moves that they've made with the Sip and Saver Pass. I'm oh, yeah. so for yeah. this. So for this. You know, I think uh, a lot of annual pass holders, you know, we tend to complain sometimes because of some of the, the things that we get when it comes to how much money we're putting forth for some of these items. But this, in general, this is a great idea. So Heck whoever yeah. thought of this one, you get an extra waffle on your plate today. Right? Kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Sweet. You get an extra rum chata. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the other thing is, too, because of all these restaurant participations, there are a lot of new selections in the Passport this year. You know, there's a lot of the old things from last year and probably years previous, but last year was my first year. But there is a good number of new offerings throughout here. Um, so, yeah, if you get to participate get yourself the passport it helps you see everything all in one glance and man there's so much food too much for everybody to try okay i i was kind of excited about it coming back because there's a couple things that i like to get now i'm really excited about it coming back Mm -hmm. right oh nice okay i want tacos now (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, I think it's about time that we dive into our main topic for this episode. As some of you may have been able to tell by the title or the animated title card, we're going to be talking about the Country Bears today. Uh, But before we jump into the Country Bears story, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by a fantastic group of people known as the FGP Squad. The FGP Squad are a wonderful group of listeners just like you that help us out with monthly contributions via Patreon. If you want a little more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad, head over to podcateers.com FGP. To all of the members of the FGP Squad, we just want to thank you as always for your continued support. All right, Mel, you ready to do this country bear thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm excited because there was so much I wanted to talk about last week. I was like, oh, that's kind of Mel's episode. And then I would think about it. It's like, ah, it's kind of Mel's episode. So I want to hear the whole story and I'm ready. I got my coffee. I got my cookies. Let's do this. (laughs) All right. So 17 bears, a bison, a moose, a stag deer graced a Disneyland resort for nearly 30 years. Together, they were the stars of the Country Bear Jamboree, a show that gave us many memories and two seasonal shows. Opening in 1972, just a year after it opened in Walt Disney World, the Country Bear Jamboree was the newest e-ticket attraction since the Haunted Mansion opened in 1963. That helped open Bear Country at Disneyland, but Walt had another attraction in mind before Grizzly Hall and it was called Mineral King. In episode 281, Hazen tells us about the history of the Mineral King Resort and how it connects to the Country Bear Jamboree. 
At the time with planning the Mineral King Resort, Mark Davis was catching up the bears with their personalities as we all know and love. But don't worry, we're gonna get to that part in just a bit. The idea of the resort was canned, but probably the best blessing to disguise for we may not have had it at all at Disneyland. With Mark Davis in charge, he starts working with fellow Imagineer Albertino on the Country Bear Jamboree. I wanna share some background on Al. He worked with the company from 1935 until his retirement in 1977. His work spans from Pinocchio, Fantasia, and I just learned that he also wrote for the wonderful world of Disney. Nice. That doesn't stop there. He also worked on many of the classic attractions at Disneyland, including Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, The Haunted Mansion, and America Sings. Now, you may be wondering why I'm bringing this up. I think it's fair to give Al some love and now to give a face to the name. If you experience any of the Country Bear Jamboree shows, whether it's Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, or on YouTube, then you already know what Al looks like. His namesake is a particular bear who resembles his self-portrait, Big Al. Ta-da! <laughs> By the way, <laughs> when I was researching my part, Mm-hmm. And I saw the similarities in the two. I mean, oh, yeah. look, I know how I know how Imagineers like to put themselves into attractions, yeah. and you got like the Joe Rody portrait lookalikes and the Tony Baxter portrait lookalikes. But the fact that they got this bear pretty much down and it just Perfect. looks like him, I was like, oh my god, this is yeah. fantastic because nobody would expect it. Right? We should put and- a side by side in the blog post for this episode. Yes. We should. Okay. A photograph of <laughs> each. That's awesome. <laughs> the show is about 15 minutes long. Disneyland had two theaters, double the capacity of Walt Disney World's very own, and double the audio animatronics. So we're talking 34 bears, two raccoons, two bisons, two moose, and two stag deer. Inside the theater, called Grizzly Hall, are pine walls, a woodsy alpine feel as if you're inside a cabin. There's five stages, stage one and two on the left, and four or five on the right. These four stages had turntables that turned around between numbers. While the center stage didn't move around, instead there were stage doors where the bears would rise up from and the opposite where the bears would come down from. There would be benches to sit on as you enter the theater, at least five rows. The music is conducted by George Bruns, who also worked on Babes in Toyland, Sleeping Beauty, Robin Hood, and The Sword in the Stone, as well as countless other shows and films. George, as well as Exitencio, did give us the Bear Band Serenade. There are many other songs used in the show by many different artists. I'll go ahead and give you a quick rundown of the songs that were played for the show, the regular show, not the seasonal one. We're going to get to that after. So this is the list. And I'm sorry if I started laughing because some of these are like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Panjo, the Bear Band Serenade, Fractured Folk Song, (laughs) My Woman Ain't Pretty, But She Swear, (laughs) She Don't Swear None. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so good. Sorry. 
Mama do whip little Buford. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite one right there. I am trying so hard. <laughs> Tears will be ch- the chaser for my wine. <laughs> right? I was still laughing at the Buford one when I heard you say that one. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it lasted this long. Yeah, that's true. Still going. <laughs> Pretty little devilish Mary. How long will my baby be gone? All the guys that turn me on, turn me down. Oh, that's a sad one. (laughs) Right. That's a womp womp one. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't bite, don't growl. Heart, we did all that we could. Blood on the saddle. The ballad of Davy Crockett. One slew foot. Uh, Come again, come in. Biolum, cabbage down, Polly Wally Doodle, Wabish, cannonball, Bearless Love, Red River Valley, and Bang Goes Old Betsy. Nice. Ooh, crazy right. long set list for only fifteen minutes. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, some of those like Polly Wally Doodle are like super yeah, short. They're right? super short. So, yeah. <laughs> but yes, you're right. That's quite a list there. It My is. favorite there, though, the, the mama don't whoop little Buford. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest part about that is the punchline is, I think you should shoot him instead. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, country bears. <sighs> now, it's time to introduce the 17 bears and their backstories. Henry is the MC along with Sammy the raccoon as his hat. The six foot tall bear who who was once a famous football player from Goose Creek Bruins, later entered the show world business. Henry does sing the finale with Sammy as his live raccoon hat to none other than the ballad of Davy Crockett. He then states, I never knew a football helmet that could sing like Sammy. Gomer. The piano player in the show, but he didn't always want to play country music. He's actually classically trained in classical music, of course. He learned as a cub and would play every day. One day he just moved to New York and his neighbors were delighted about his move. (laughs) He ended up studying Berlois and his favorite composition is Night on Bear Mountain. Well, that makes sense. I mean, nice. How could it not be? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the five bear rugs. A group of five friends who met in the first grade. They've played for 15 years and still going strong in the fourth grade. So we have Zeke on the banjo, Zeb on the fiddle, Ted on the corn jug, Fred on the mouth harp, Tennessee with his thing that he calls an instrument because there's actually no name for it. It just looks like one. Mm. Together, they're the five bear rugs, but sometimes they'll turn into a a quintet with Oscar and his teddy bear. Wendell. Poor Wendell got the short end of every possible aspect of life. He tried his hand in sports before playing in Grizzly Hall. However, he didn't have the wonderful sports life that Henry did. 
He was too short for any sport. Quit basketball when it was time for the team photo, and he realized he was just as tall as the other players' knees. When he tried playing baseball, well, the opposite team thought he was a base, and when football came around, they threw him for a touchdown. <laughs> it wasn't until he joined Henry in showbiz, and nobody would mess with Wendell ever again. <laughs> Liver lips. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Is possibly the busiest of them all. Liverlips Liver McGrell is very well known in the entertainment world. He's very famous in radio, TV, nightclubs, and in the circus. His throaty growl is what captured everyone in famous towns. Paris, Kentucky, Rome, Tennessee, Berlin, Wisconsin, Athens, Georgia, Cairo, Illinois, <laughs> Stuttgart, Arkansas. But his heart lives in Miami. And I checked up every city and they exist. Nice. I was like, I got to see this. Let me see if they just made this up. No, they're all small towns except for one, I believe. I forgot which one, but yeah, they're all really, really small towns. That's funny. Trixie. Trixie has been in the show business for a very long time and is known as the veteran performer. She has many names and has been known as the Calgary Charmer, Alaska Allure, Vancouver Vamp, Bewitcher of the British Columbia, and the Tacoma Temptress. After all the traveling and the performing, she settled into Florida after visiting it. Trixie does have a scrapbook and has been planning a book called I Barely Remember. I personally would read that book um, because of all the names that she's been given. I wonder why we don't have anything. It's probably because the Imagineers aren't there anymore. <laughs> I know. It's a shame. I'm like, I want to read it to her story. <laughs> Terrence, better known as the vibrating wreck from Nashville Tech. <laughs> Terrence is an actor at heart. You would see him perform with the Barrymores. That's B-E-A-R-Y-M-O-R-S. Not the other family that we heard of. He did have an accident one day. He fell from the balcony while performing Romeo and Juliet. And it brought down the house. Literally the entire house. It was after that fateful day that Terrence turned his tights in for a guitar. The Sunbonnets, or I should, I should say, the Sunbonnets Trio. Also known as Bunny, Bubbles, and Beulah, the youngest performers of the Jamboree. Their career began in grade school, public school 821 to be exact in Miss Grizzly's class. For five weeks, they performed during Major Bear's Amateur Hour and was immediately booked to perform in Walt Disney World. After starting their, performance, their performances in Florida, they would work on their homework backstage and fellow castmates would help them out. For fun, they like knitting scarves for Big L, and they're adorable. Ernest. Ernest would be the dude bear with all the clothes for Dapper Day. He would also take his clothes with him everywhere he went. So imagine taking 17 trunks of clothing with you 
to every town because you never know how many outfits you would need. That kind of sounds like me when I'm planning for a quick trip for three days, three <laughs> outfits. No, I need seven. So I totally relate to Ernest. <laughs> Stats time. Uh-oh. Gavin? Close. Do you need a napkin? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ernest has 30 coats, 40 slacks, 60 shirts, 47 shoes, 20 hats, and a pair and a half of underwear. <laughs> now, now, is it is it 47 individual shoes or 47 pairs? You know what? It didn't tell me. This is like straight from the source. It just said 47 shoes. Hmm. They could be all mismatching. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because knowing, yeah. <laughs> just knowing what it is, it would make sense <laughs> either way that all, if he's got one and a half pairs of underwear, like having just this, <laughs> right? like just one random shoe would yep. make sense, right? <laughs> right. That's funny. Teddy Vera. Teddy Vera was discovered in a soda fountain ice cream parlor just miles from Gentry, Arkansas. She hit immediate success right after her discovery and was well known as the Jewel of the Dakotas. She did want to do some serious drama, but her fans never let her forget her feather boa and her parasol as they were promised to the Daughters of Benton County Western Museum, where they're worn out. When performing in Grizzly Hall, you could see her perform her famous song, Heart, We Did All We Could. Big Al. Now, we heard a little bit about this bear earlier, but here's a bit more about him. As Big Al would say, I was born in a cave near a princess theater in Pocadillo, Idaho. He has a huge love for music and says it's in his blood. He's been performing since he was a cub. However, Big Al found it difficult to play the guitar as it was getting smaller and smaller and he was growing larger and larger. He was a poet and a singer in the swamp before heading to Walt Disney World. Word is that three badgers and an alligator can vouch for Big Al as they express their great joy knowing that he's singing for the people. Big Al also has had many farewell appearances, at least 10. Now, seasonal shows, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. In 1984, a new holiday show debuted at the Country Bear Playhouse. The Country Bear Christmas special opens with Max with a reindeer nose, Buff wearing a Santa hat, and Melvin decked up in lights. Melvin starts to sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and of course, Max says that's his song because he has a reindeer notes. <laughs> Gomer helps with uh, starting the piano and sings It's Beginning to Look Like Christmas. Henry takes the stage and tells us about the, about the holidays, but it's the five-bear rug that starts the jamboree. All the bears are decked up in either Santa hats or different Christmas garbs, such as holly or scarves. Wendell has his own solo with snow all over his guitar. Rufus does make his cameo, as usual, to assist with the lights as the lights, you know, go out and it's pitch black. But you could hear him doing his thing to make sure that the show goes on. Trixie dons a pair of skates over her shoulders, mittens in one hand, 
and mistletoe on the other. And she's feisty as she sings the hibernating blues. She ain't happy and is <laughs> she's growling her emotions out. She asks Henry if uh, he wants to try, you know, if he wants to try out the mistletoe. Yeah. Only for Henry to stutter. And then the five bear rugs just start performing. Hey. So, <laughs> <laughs> poor Trixie. <laughs> oh. Liverlips dons a full shiny Santa outfit to rock and roll Santa and adds, you know, some Elvis flair to it. Terrence is all in white to resemble a polar bear with a scarf and sings Blue Christmas with a penguin in a block at his side. The penguin does shake and it sounds like a Christmas bell or like uh, the sleigh bells, I should say. It's really cute. From time to time, he's like, I can't hear you. And it's like, he just starts shaking. <laughs> Doesn't say anything. And that's all you see. Henry then introduces the Sun Bonnet Trio as they sing Sleigh Ride in their adorable green and red matching outfits. Uh, again, I think they're my favorites. Sorry. <laughs> Don't they remind you of like the, the little curious oysters? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, it's right? the bonnets. Yeah. yeah. I... That's a good one. Ernest and the five bear rugs sing to an upbeat hungry as a bear, and Ernest is dressed to the nines, of course. Teddy Bear comes down to serenade us with the Christmas song as she swings above the crowd, and Henry is playing the acoustic guitar. It's really sweet, and it hits you in the feels. This is something I would recommend everybody to see. Um... Get a chance, look it up. It's really adorable. And it it kind of, it's like one of those things where you have those moments when you're listening to a Christmas song and it hits you. Mm-hmm. This would be it. Big Al steals the show with his happy New Year garb of a party hat, sash, wall fringe, and sings another New Year in the tune of Eeyore. Henry then leads the crowd into participating together in a sing-along to let it snow and root off the red-nosed reindeer. Now, the second seasonal show. In 1986, two years after the Christmas special, a new show debuts at Disneyland, the Country Bear Vacation Hoedown. Hmm. Again, Rufus is the bear behind the magic with the lights and the backstage operations as he starts the show. The five bear rugs start their performance with the great outdoors with their camping gear. Henry looks like he's Smokey the Bear with his hat and a green shirt while he's greeting the guests along with Max, Buff, and Melvin. But Melvin seems to be asleep. He's woken up by Max and they bicker a bit and the show goes back to the five bear rugs. Trixie is right after with her wine in hand pink sundress, and sun hats. She's singing her heart out to Life's No Picnic Without You. Wendell asks for Rufus's help with the projection slide as Wendell's past vacation photos, you know, scroll on behind him while performing on the road again. And he's sporting a huge camera, summer shirt, but sounds so sad because he misses that vacation and really wants to take it again. Liverlips is totally Elvis this time around. And he's wearing a gem-studded white outfit. 
nice. fancy necklace, electric guitar. It's amazing. It looks dope, he's, yo. I think he's definitely a highlight. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so the next part, we have Gomer, and he appears with the Hawaiian shirt. And the piano is decked out in seashells, but the old Christmas special backdrop appears by mistake, which is a really cool nod to the show. The Sunbonnet Trio begin to sing California Bears to the tune of the Beach Boys, with Max, Buff, and Melvin singing along with them. The Bonnet Trio um, are wearing, I would say, they're wearing a bikini outfit. Not a bikini outfit. What is the two-piece called? An itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini? Yeah. That's we'll just say that. that. they wore for the first time that day? Insert that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're both tired. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Terrence takes the stage with his girlfriend, Dolores, and an octopus, and he's singing two different worlds. He's wearing scuba gear, and she's squeezing him a bit too tight throughout the song. And he, as he, like, kind of nudges her to, like, loosen up a little bit. The five bear rugs come back to the fast beat of Rocky Top, and the crowd is engaged. It's one of those songs that you really want to clap along to. And I kind of forgot to, you know, I forgot to mention that in between, um, in between these acts, the bears are constantly running around. They're like... What is that smell? What is that? What's going on? And they keep smelling a skunk. And we're going to come back to that in a little bit. Ernest takes the stage with nature on his violin and fly swatter as he's playing his violin. And at the same time, you're hearing a bee buzz around him. And he's just trying to perform this song. And you just hear it go faster around and faster. And suddenly, as the song is about to finish, guess who wins? The bee. <laughs> he gets him at the end. So the lights dim, and little Oscar asks the five bear rugs to tell him a scary story. And slowly they start to perform Ghost Riders in the Sky. And nice. it just turns up into a fast beat performance, which is really, really cool. Big L then starts singing to On My Way to Your Heart with the headlight on. So remember the skunk I was talking about? Mm -hmm. He appears at the end on top of Henry. And this is the one of the two or one of the few um, animals that gets replaced. Because in the original, he had a raccoon, which was mm -hmm. Sammy. This little dude is uh, Randy, the skunk. He has his, you know, 15 minutes of fame. He just wants to be in the show. And together, they get the cast to perform Thank God I'm a country bear. Nice. Alrighties. So unfortunately, we know that the Country Bear Jamboree closes its doors in 2001, unfortunately. But in 2003, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh opens its doors and guests were able to step into the 100-acre woods. You and fellow guests would board a honeycomb as you would hear the buzzing bees around you. When you enter, you get a sense of the many seasons that take place in the adventures in the book. We start to move as we're floating through the woods and we're greeted by the beauty of the green of spring along with Piglet. Suddenly, we're in the middle of the rain and the rain, rain, rain came pouring down, that's for sure. The wonderful thing happens next. Its top is made of rubber, the bottom is made of springs. 
And oh yeah, he's the only one. That's right, we get to meet Tigger. Right ahead, we drift into a slumber. And it's Heffalumps and Woozles. They're all over taunting us as we're in Pooh's crazy colorful dream. Or is it a nightmare? We escape the Heffalumps and Woozles. And just as you happen to look back, you may see one or three of the nods to the previous attraction. You can see Max, Buff, and Melvin in the dark. Not creepy at all. I say you take a look. We've come to the end of the adventure and it's Pooh's birthday. We're celebrating in style as we see the many gifts that Pooh's received from his friends, Eeyore, Piglet, Rabbit, Tigger, Elle, and Christopher Robin. And then we are back into Critter Country. So, before um, we end this, I wanted to mention a few of the nods that um, we may have seen or maybe not. Um, there's actually a nod to Teddy Barra above uh, Pooh's corner. And it's a, I want to say it's on the, one of the buildings above. It's a yellow building and it has Teddy Barra Arcade, which is really cool. Um, you could also see Dolores, the octopus, over on Guardians Galaxy Mission Breakout on the same level as Harold, I believe, yeah, but really? on the far right. On the opposite so, end, yeah. Yeah. I have not seen that one. I think I might have you a picture You need a flashlight. Interesting. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to look through my photo archive. I might have a picture of it. Nice. So pretty much both these attractions, the one thing they have in common is that they both are filled with lovable bears. Yeah. I mean. So where do you guys feel about um, the replacement of the bears with Winnie the Pooh? Like, do you do you like Winnie the Pooh better or do you wish we still had the Country Bear Jamboree? Oh, I miss the Country Bear Jamboree, especially the summer show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually never saw the Country Bear Jamboree when it was at Disneyland. Really? Aww. Yeah. Uh, I don't think too bad. Uh, the the time when we went when we were a kid, I think uh, we concentrated more like on Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I don't particularly remember heading to that side of the park all that much, outside of Pirates and the Haunted Mansion. So yeah. I mm-hmm. I got my first exposure. Actually, my first exposure to the Country Bears was on vinyl because I heard the entire soundtrack prior to even. Uh, watching the shows on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. uh, what I will do for anybody that's never seen it is I'm going to try to find the best versions of those videos and I'll put them in the blog post for the episode podcasters.com slash 282 because now that I have seen them, uh, I do enjoy them. I think they're fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to speak from from that side of the fence uh, regarding this question. Yeah. Uh, I... I think the show was a lot more animated than what we have now. I think there was a charm to it. And I think that the fact that Disney World still has it is great because it has a a really tremendous legacy, especially considering that not a lot of attractions in general have Mm -hmm. the storytelling and the background that was given to each one of these individual bears. There's so much storytelling going on that it i'm glad that it still lives somewhere right um right. i think it's still also in tokyo isn't it yes yeah it's still in tokyo so uh there are a couple of ways to still watch it uh 
I mean, I like Winnie the Pooh just fine, but I think Winnie the Pooh should have had a slightly different attraction and they should have left the country bears there. And it it's one of those shows that the bears have so much charm to them that I think they could have given them new punchlines and new show aspects. Almost oh, like, yeah. like I see the country bears kind of like the Muppets almost like mm-hmm. they they have a very similar jokiness to them that I think that they could have had them at one point like singing a whole new world. And it would have just been like the funniest thing you've ever seen, you know, yeah. so uh, oh, I I yeah. think it would have been better if it stayed instead of giving the, the I... space to Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I agree. And actually, it's so perfect that you just mentioned the Muppets because you know, uh, as we learned uh, from Mel a few minutes ago, the Country Bear Jamboree closed at Disneyland in 2001. Um, the very next year, the Disney Studio brought us what is probably my number one guilty pleasure in the Disney catalog, which is the Country Bears movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. <laughs> it's not great, but I love it. I think it's so delightful. Uh, I think it's ironic that as soon as they closed it down at one of their parks, they released this movie. But um, the movie is really kind of fun. Like if you can just like get beyond the fact that it's this really ridiculous plot about these bears living in the real world and being mm-hmm. like this legendary like rock country band uh, and and get over that point. Like you can there's a lot to enjoy <laughs> about it. But it actually really reminds me a lot of the Muppets because it's like this group of zany characters who have this legacy and they're trying to save their theater. And so they kind of have to band together for one last big show. And it's really it's really kind of cool. So if you haven't seen it, I'm hoping it's on Disney Plus and everybody can go watch it uh, and then you can make fun of me. That's fine. I don't care. So if the profits from the movie trying to save their theater was going to save the country bears. It looks like they failed. Yeah. It's ironic, right? <laughs> yeah. That in the movie, they succeed spoiler. Uh, but in the, uh, in real life, they didn't. Uh, I think that's very interesting, that's but funny. yeah, I, you know, it kind of goes back to our IP discussion as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, they replaced one of their, you know, park originals, that had no tie to any animated film or live action film with, you know, a property of characters that, you know, had been around for a while. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in Disney world, they replaced, uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride and inserted Winnie the Pooh there. And in Disneyland, they replaced the country bears with Winnie the Pooh. So Winnie the Pooh took over two different type attractions at either park one of them was an IP dark ride already. The other one was a stage production that had no tie to an IP. Um, to me, that kind of dimmed a bit of the legacy of Disneyland because I think of Disneyland and its strengths being, you know, Big Thunder, Haunted Mansion, Pirates, Matterhorn, like all these things that have nothing to do with a movie. They're just genius ideas, you know, Space Mountain, Jungle Cruise. Country Bears was part of that legacy and, you know, they replaced it with what I consider a fairly mediocre dark ride. I like it, but compared to Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan, 
not on the same level, right? Yeah. Like not even right. close. It's really basic in most of its scenes and the country bears was way better. Yeah. I mean, if they really wanted a dark ride, it's surprising to me that they didn't go with the idea that they had originally. Uh, not too long ago, there was some concept art released by Kirk Hansen, and the idea of replacing the Country Bear Jamboree uh, that existed was replacing it with another dark ride called the Critter Country 500. And so what they wanted to do was create uh, like almost like a race that was happening mm. between all the bears, and they all had these like zany cars and stuff that they were driving in. It was... Did you ever watch um, Hanna-Barbera's Wacky Races? Yeah. So remember how they all had, like, cars that fit their personas, but they were all, mm -hmm. like, these Frankenstein cars that just in real life could never actually move? Yep. So the country Ooh. bears had very similar cars. Like, they were pianos, and they were instruments, and they were these monstrosities and atrocities of vehicles <laughs> that – just look zany, right? And uh, I think Henry and um, and Sammy were supposed to be the the broadcasters for the ESBN network, and they oh were going to be announcing this entire race as you were going around. So I imagine the concept that was pitched was similar to like a wacky Roger Rabbit style ride, where you're kind of like zooming around and spinning and everything, and you're a mm -hmm. part of this you know, Critter Country 500. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that they didn't go with that concept because they wanted the Winnie the Pooh IP, which maybe they felt was stronger. Um, I don't know. It's just odd. I, I, I don't know if the fact that it started at Walt Disney World and not Disneyland had anything to do with it and why it still lives at Disney World and doesn't live at Disneyland. But yeah. it's... I don't know. It's an odd choice. I would have loved to see that other dark ride versus the Winnie the Pooh one. I understand yeah. that there's a need for children's dark rides, but Winnie the Pooh could have gotten that attraction on a much smaller scale somewhere else. And we would have still sure. seen yeah. the entire story instead of it taking over the entire you know footprint of what Country Bears used to be. Yeah. I agree. It's interesting because it seems like your different audiences uh, accept certain things for a longer period of time. So like the fact that Carousel of Progress and Country Bear Jamboree and some of those types of things are still active in Disney World and they didn't last nearly as long at Disneyland. You know, there's not as many of those sit down animatronic shows here you know like even all the things that have gone through the tomorrowland theater from captain eo to honey i shrunk the everything under the sun and all that stuff you know and the the muppets theater died and you know like all of those types of thing a bugs land theater closed you yeah. know and I, it's weird because i've always loved those types of attractions like i would go to it's tough to be a bug every time i went to dca and i'd be in there with five people you know and so there's for some reason there's not an audience for those types of attractions here i don't think and i think that's part of why it probably got taken away you know i remember going as a kid in the 80s i don't remember what the crowd levels were but apparently they were 
diminishing at some point and you know they decided well winnie the pooh is more popular do you think it has anything to do with weather patterns uh, I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, because oh, it rains yeah. out there so much. It rains and it's like that's so, a fair like, point. Actually, like maybe it's so muggy that people want to get out and into an air conditioned room. And in California, we have those types of days, but it's not as horrible as I've heard it is in Florida. Not even close. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that. It it does make sense that you might want to get out of the rain or even just the humidity and enjoy something indoors for a little bit that that actually is probably a big factor that i i didn't consider the uh one in florida actually it's been shortened a little bit uh, oh really yeah when i got to see it again a few years few years ago um i noticed some changes and i was like i don't remember this being cut or this being different or the show ending a little bit sooner than usual hmm. um which is really strange and it Kind of broke my heart because I really wanted to see the entire show again. Hmm. Eh. Well, I wish they would bring back some kind of tribute to it. I, like I said, Agreed. I think because of that Muppet-esque aspect of the Country mm-hmm. Bears, I think that especially now that they they want more stuff to fill in, you know, these tiny crevices of the park, it might be a good time to bring them back in some capacity. Even if okay. it's like one or the one or two of the bears at I don't know the Golden Horseshoe. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say we we we're installing the Muppets at Golden Horseshoe to do a vaudeville show there. Maybe a cameo in the middle of the show is the five bear rugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I yeah genius. I can't wait to see what we come up with next week. That's for it. That's all I have. Armchair Imagineering <laughs> That's in it. Critter Country. I, I just blew my main idea. That's it. Nah, you can We're come good. up with something. Just build on it. I got faith in you. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was awesome, Mel. Thanks for thanks for breaking down some knowledge on the country bears. You're welcome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the question we want to ask all of you is uh, the same question Gavin asked us. You know, how do you feel about the Country Bears leaving if you ever had a chance to experience it? And how do you feel about Winnie the Pooh being there? If you never had a chance to see the Country Bears in person, check out the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash 280. Watch one or two of the shows and then let us know how you feel. Would you have liked to see that at Disneyland? Or are you cool with Winnie the Pooh being there? You know, so join the conversation leave your thoughts over on facebook instagram or on twitter or on youtube uh just search for podcateers we'd love to know your thoughts and we'll share that in an upcoming episode all right i think that's gonna wrap it up for today it's uh time to go get a sip and savor pass hopefully if i don't fall asleep trying to get ready and let's go start enjoying go. start enjoying the festival of holidays oh yeah Dude, viva navidad let's go oh, for real <laughs> for real <laughs> okay well before we end the episode i do want to remind you that this holiday season if you're doing any shopping for black friday cyber monday small business saturday head over to podcasters.com check out the gear section we're gonna have some stuff on sale some coupon codes we got free shipping that's going to be coming up on orders over a certain amount make sure that you're following us on instagram Instagram to check out when that goes live 
Also, if you shop on Amazon, head over to podcasters.com slash Amazon. Click on the big button before your next purchase because we get a small commission from Amazon every time that you do that. doesn't cost you anything extra, but instead of all the money going to Amazon, they say, hey, thanks for clicking on the Podcasters button. Hey, Podcasters, here's a few cents that are coming your way from this purchase. And to all of you that are doing that, we just want to say thank you for that additional support. So with that said, it's time to wrap up this little tiny bear into their little tiny bear corner and sing them to sleep because you don't want to whip them. You just, yeah, we're not going to do that. So on that note, I'm just going to say keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Made you look. <laughs>